Hey everyone, Dylan Bowman here. Welcome to Pillars. Thank you so much for being here as always, but especially for this one, uh, an episode that I view as a very, very important episode. Today, I welcome my good friend Mario Fraioli to the podcast to talk all about the big news in trail and ultra running. That is the recently announced partnership between UTMB and Ironman to create a new organizational architecture in trail and ultra running called the UTMB World Series. Um, this announcement was made last week and understandably sent shockwaves through our little sport uh, with a lot of confusion and strong feelings on both sides of the argument. Um, and Mario is here to talk all about it. In addition to being a really good friend of mine, Mario is really one of the most knowledgeable and thoughtful people that I know about the industry side of running at all levels. You probably know him from the Morning Shakeout newsletter and podcast, which is hands down the best collection of running content to grace my my mind space every week. He's a person I really respect a lot and really I think a perfect person to have this conversation with. Um, and while he and I definitely don't agree on everything, our goal was to help each other think a little bit more deeply about this topic and what it potentially means for the future of the sport of trail and ultra running. But keeping the conversation friendly, never straying from our commitment to stay civil and honest with one another and with you, the listeners who also care as much as we do about the sport. We start the episode just by laying out the facts of the announcement as we understand them about what the new series will look like on a practical level before we shift and add our own editorial commentary on what we think about the news and its potential implications. Um, we tried to keep it balanced, uh, obviously addressing both what we view as potentially positive developments, as well as presenting the counter arguments and the potential areas of concern when it comes to this new partnership and this new structure within our sport. Before we get to it, I just want to say that I fully understand that not everyone will agree with all of my opinions on the subject or all of Mario's opinions on the subject. Uh, but what I hope is clear from this conversation is that we both love the sport and we want to see it flourish and we want to see the spirit and the values and the culture of the sport. We want to see those things preserved. And as the sport continues to develop and change, my hope is that we can have these conversations in a civil and friendly way, in a way that does justice to the spirit of the sport, even when we disagree very strongly about the facts and the implications. This is a super long one, maybe the longest episode ever, actually. So let's get right to it. Please welcome my good friend, Mario Fraioli. Joining me today is my good friend, Mario Fraioli, broadcasting from Marin County. Mario, how are you? 
I'm doing great, man. This is the third time I've gotten to interact with you in I think five days. So I'm flying pretty high right now. Yeah. So let's talk about why we're sitting down and, and how this came <laughs> to be standing at a at a bar at a wedding just a few days ago. Yeah, exactly. Our good friend Fernando got married this past Friday here in Marin County. Uh, Fernando is the king of Stoke, as he's known around here, a very accomplished ultra runner in his own right, a mutual friend of ours. There were a lot of other ultra runners at the wedding. And within, I don't know, a week of us being at the wedding, it was announced by UTMB and Ironman that they were going to partner and create this whole new series. And as we're ought to do, uh, we started talking about it and we may have had a beverage or two in each of us and the conversation really started to escalate. And I, I think I said, Hey, let's put the brakes on this and turn some mics on a couple of yeah. days from now. And you're like, yeah, let's do that early next week. And here we are just a few days later talking about it in a more official capacity for the yeah. podcast. Yeah, it's great. And, uh, well described. I mean, uh, it was hilarious, you know, being running nerds that you and I are that we're standing <laughs> at a bar at a wedding, uh, shouting, to, shouting at each other over the music about, uh, the latest news and happenings in, in trail and ultra running. And what my goal is, and as you and I have spoken about before pressing record, is to have a, a mature, grown-up, nuanced mm -hmm. conversation about what is a huge development in the sport and a development that uh, people have strong opinions about for good reason. And I think you and I really care about the sport of running and specifically trail and ultra running. And um, because of that and because of our uh, proximity to the sport, because of our enthusiasm for the sport, I'm sure you and I have both thought about this much deeper than a lot of people. And uh, you're obviously somebody who I really respect and admire as a thoughtful person within the sport and uh, a, a considered uh, person, a uh, mostly uh, equanimous person. And so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm really glad that, that you and I can have this conversation. And I, I think uh, we've got a lot to go into. It's going to probably be an ultra marathon of an episode in itself. Um, yeah, I've cleared, I've cleared the calendar for the rest of the day. So we can go as, <laughs> as long as we, as long as we need to on this one. Well, let's go right into it. I think the best place to start for us is to basically just lay the facts out on the table. Of course, mm -hmm. we're going to spend the entire episode only talking about the new UTMB and Ironman partnership. We'll do another episode some other time where we talk about other stuff, but for this episode, that is the focus. And I think we should start by just kind of laying the facts out on the table as we represent, or as we understand them, uh, where the new partnership is concerned. So why don't you get us started and I'll just kind of plug holes and we'll sort of go back and forth. Yeah. So the gist of it is that UTMB, better known as the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, which is arguably the preeminent event in trail ultra running, happens every year in Chamonix, France, end of August, has partnered with, and I think this is important, the Ironman Group, which is the group that owns Ironman Triathlon. They also own the Rock and Roll Marathon Series. And Within the last few years, they had purchased a couple of ultra marathon events. I think the highest profile one of those being Tarawera in 
New Zealand, if and I'm not mistaken. Ultra Trail Australia, which I and think Ultra Trail Australia, by, yes. by participants is, I think, the second largest ultra marathon in the world. Yeah. So they formed a partnership. And as I understand it, Ironman Group has a minority stake in UTMB, which is an event, but it's also an organization, much like Ironman is. So the coup de gras is the UTMB, CCC, TDS, OCC. I'm forgetting some other acronyms in there. Every year in Chamonix, France, it attracts the top ultra runners in the world. In the past couple of years, they have expanded their footprint to Oman, um, I believe a couple places in Asia. This is all relatively new, but they're calling or have been calling these races also the the UT, UTMB as part of this series. So some seeds were being planted over the last couple of years. And now Ironman Group has a minority stake in UTMB. And as I understand it, will be providing various types of support to help grow the sport of trail and ultra running around the world. There are going to be more events under this umbrella, but the most significant development to me is the creation of this, um, I think poorly named world series, at least as an American. And there, and there's definitely, um, some interesting American angles to, to all of this, but I mean, to, to call something the world series as an American, like in a sports fan, that just kind of <laughs> throws me the wrong way, sure. but you've got this world series which is going to be a series of events around the world ostensibly. Um, and you can qualify via, are they calling them stones? I forget what they are, but, but essentially a point system yep. um, that will qualify you for, let's call it the UTMB week. Um, whether you want to run, uh, a, the, the marquee distances are going to be 50K, which is the OCC, 100K, which is the CCC, or the 100 mile, which is the full lap of Mont Blanc, um, the UTMB. And that, I mean, these are, are bucket list races for ultra runners around the world as it is. It's hard enough to qualify for them already. This is going to streamline things a bit. and. I think those are the high level points that are objective and without argument, as I understand it. Yeah. So let me just plug a couple of holes there, just basically yep, build off, off what you said. So for those who are familiar with the sport and with the various race organizations and race series that have existed, this new UTMB World Series is going to be replacing the existing Ultra Trail World Tour, which has been Correct. around since I think 2014. It's been arguably the premier race series for long distance races for sure uh, on the international racing circuit, always sort of um, highlighted at the end with the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, which is unquestionably the most important race within trail and ultra running globally, not just in Europe. Um, and so UTMB is basically taking over what had been the Ultra Trail world tour and putting it under its own brand umbrella making, as you said, the UTMB world series, this world series will apparently have 30 plus races around the world, according to the press release. And of those 30 races, only eight have been announced currently. 
those are just to set the table here. Obviously, the flagship race, the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc in Chamonix, mm-hmm. the Valderon by UTMB in Spain, the Mozart Ultra, which takes place in June every year in Austria. And then we have the Tarawera Ultra Marathon in New Zealand, which we just mentioned, Ultra Trail Australia, which we just mentioned, which is actually taking place this weekend. And then we have the other three existing UTMB world events, the Panda Trail, the Gaoligong race, both of which are in China and the Thailand by UTMB. So those are the eight races as it stands now. Again, they expect to have 30 plus races announced at some point that will be part of this UTMB World Series and including, I think they said, between five and seven events in North America. Um, Then this is where we get into where it mimics in a lot of ways the current structure of the Ironman competitive landscape. And Within Ironman, they have these regional sub-championships. So they've got the North American Championship, the Asia Championship, mm-hmm. the uh, South or uh, yeah, the European Championship, et cetera. Now UTMB and Ironman and their partnership are going to have a, a similar structure. So there will be three of these regional championships in Asia, in sort of they're grouping Europe and Africa together, and then they're grouping North and South America together. And in a- Asia will also include Asia Pacific, Oceania, Australia, uh, New Zealand, et cetera. So those three races, and uh, they have yet to be announced what those races will be, will act as sort of B-tier championship level races sitting just underneath what will be the flagship event at UTMB, where we'll have world championship uh, racing at 50K, 100K, and 100 mile, as you mentioned. And do you know, will those tier B events, these regional championships, have automatic qualifying spots for the grand finale in Chamonix? So yes, and uh, we can talk more about why I think this is actually kind of a cool thing and a good thing, but the top 10 at these three uh, sub-championships, the regional championships, will all get automatic entry into the UTMB Mont Blanc. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 30 spots for both men and women from the top 10 of those three sub-championship races. And I think that will make for really exciting, interesting races uh, leading into the ultimate world championship at UTMB but we can talk more Got about it. that in a little bit when, once we start opining on the facts, but right now let's, let's just kind of, <laughs> I'm holding back. I'm holding here. back. I have <laughs> opinions. <laughs> so the, the final thing that I think is important to talk about is just the formulation of this new performance index. And traditionally those who are familiar with trail and ultra running, you probably know about the ETRA rankings, which has been the standard to date for, trying to put some measurement on the performances of athletes and rank athletes. Uh, From my understanding, this ITRA um, formula was devised by Michel Poletti, who's of course the founder of UTMB in conjunction with his wife, Catherine. And uh, it sounds like they've sort of broken up with ITRA, taken the performance index and brought it under the UTMB umbrella as well. So really UTMB in their partnership with Ironman has 
done as much as they can to consolidate a big part of the professional end and the participant end of the sport under the UTMB brand. And this is very similar to what Ironman has done in triathlon. Mm -hmm. And obviously we see the, um, the similar strategy that's being employed as they come together in partnership. Um, of course, there's other esoteric things uh, about the facts that we can go into, but that I think might be a little bit too complicated. The stone system, how you actually accumulate stones and give yourself the best chance of actually getting into the UTMB lottery. I think the important thing to just state is that the more of these UTMB World Series events that you do, the easier it will be to get into the UTMB Mont Blanc, which will now be the world championship, even though it's always sort of been the, the default world championship. Sounds a lot like Iron Man to me. <laughs> Can I so, jump in real please. quick before I really start opining? If I'm not mistaken, I believe the Pilettis, who you mentioned, who are the owners of UTMB, also owned ITRA and basically just absorbed it into this new series and have just done away with, you know, what, what was ITRA, but everything that's, that's gone into it is going to work exactly the same with this new world series ranking system. That's my understanding. I actually looked around to see if I could find any intelligent kind of commentary on what this means with, with ITRA and the rankings and if ITRA will cease to exist or not. Honestly, I'm not sure. But what I do know is that it was started by the Polities. Um, mm -hmm. And so was the Ultra Trail World Tour. Of course, the Ultra Trail World Tour was uh, sort of a, a um, congregation or a, a race series made up by independently owned events around the world that wanted to be part of this really prestigious um, race series that was also mm -hmm. started by uh, the Polities, and I think was sort of operating under their direction for the past five, six years. And of course they are also the race directors and owners of the UTMB as we know it. So they have their hands in a lot of different areas within the sport. And that's why I think this is a really interesting uh, moment in history in our sport and why there's so much for us to talk about because they're sort of taking all these different things that they've had an influence on and bringing it in all underneath the iron or I'm sorry, the UTMB umbrella uh, and brand. And um, so now we can sort of start talking about what the hell sure. this actually means, you know, and, and um, you know, w what potential good can come of it and what their uh, what reasonable people can be concerned about. And mm -hmm. I think sort of before we, we kind of go, go into it, I, I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about sort of just the landscape in the sport right now. And maybe the first question I wanted to ask where this is concerned is if, do you think anybody would, would have cared about this announcement, which has definitely struck a nerve with a lot of people, some positive, some very negative. Do you think anybody would have had a, a strong reaction one way or the other if if the Iron Man brand wasn't associated and UTMB would have just made these announcements under their own <laughs> discretion? I don't think it would be as strong. I still think there 
would be a lot of of rumblings. Um, rumblings isn't even the right word. I, I think there would be folks within the sport who would be strongly opposed to this. I mean, even before it was made known that Iron Man was going to have some involvement in this just a week or so ago. I mean, I've long thought, and I had no previous intel on this. And I apologize if I'm insulting anyone listening to this. That's an ultra. But I've long thought that ultra running was becoming the new triathlon. And for a little background to those who don't know me, I spent six years working for competitor magazine and competitor.com, which was part of the competitor group, which at the time owned the rock and roll marathon series, which is now owned by Ironman. Um, my wife is a competitive age group triathlete. She races primarily at the 70.3 distance. She's done one Ironman. She's got another one coming up here in two months or so. She's competed at a world championships. I don't do triathlon myself, but I've been around a lot of the events and I follow the sport just as a, a fan of endurance sports. And then also when I was at competitor, um, we owned triathlete magazine for a short period of time. We also owned inside triathlon and I got to know a lot of folks who worked on, on those publications. So I've, I've been around it all. Um, yeah. and I've, I've been immersed or have immersed myself in ultra running over the past seven years since I moved here to the Bay area where I, I first met you and we have a, a very, um, strong and passionate trail and ultra running community. So that's just a, a little bit of a background, but as I, as I started to, um, understand ultra running a bit more, start coaching ultra runners, participate in the events myself, go to more of these events as, as someone in a, a media capacity, um, hanging around triathlon. I was like, man, there are a lot of similarities here. And ultra running to me seemed to be just a few years behind triathlon. And I, th I've thought for a few years now, I'm like, it's only a matter of time before some big organization comes in here and starts really trying to professionalize this entire operation. I don't just mean the professional side of, of the sport, though that is part of it, um, but tries to make bigger, better events, tries to make more events, support more events, tries to create some sort of cohesiveness, which, which hasn't really existed to this point. I mean, there is the ultra trail world tour. There are some other series that we can, we can talk about and tries to put their stamp on this thing. And, and here we are, um, you know, and, and UTMB is, is that organization. I, I did have to chuckle when Ironman, I mean, and I, I and I, you could kind of see this coming if you're really paying attention for a few years. Um, once they started gobbling up some events, you're like, okay, well, they clearly Ironman group um, clearly has interest in in ultra running as they're starting to add some events to their their portfolio. But to to actually see like Ironman um, partner with UTMB. Um, I, I had to, I had to chuckle because I was like, well, of, of course, like, of course, this is a, this yeah. is like kind of how I, how I saw it going. And, yeah. um, it, it is like, this is, this is a, a title shift or it's going to be a title shift in the sport, whether you like it or not. Um, that's the, the reality, like the, the sport is shifting and I think there's parts of that that are good. And there are parts of that, that 
are bad and if not bad, maybe concerning. And it's hard to tell at this point exactly what that's going to mean. But I mean, if, if you didn't see this coming, I think you've had your head in the sand or you've been just, you know, blissfully naive to like, you know, where, where things have been going. Um, and yeah, we've, we've got this new world series now and hasn't officially kicked off yet. People are still trying to, to understand it, but we are entering a new era of ultra trail running around the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I think this is an acknowledgement and an exhibition of the fact that trail running is an incredible freaking sport. And the fact that not only Ironman, but Spartan have anchored a big part of their business now to the sport, mm -hmm. I think is an admission by them that we are onto something and that our sport is worthy of their attention. Mm -hmm. And as you said, I mean, the sport has exploded in my history of being an active participant in it over the course of the last 10, 12 years. And of course, with rapid expansion, with rapid growth comes a lot of growing pains. And yes. we're going to talk about what those growing pains are and what we potentially um, foresee in the future, what we might anticipate as this partnership actually becomes activated as we uh, sort of emerge from the pandemic and move into the 2022 season, which I think is when we'll, we'll actually finally see the impacts of it. But I think it's really important to sort of talk about UTMB's position within the sport. And mm -hmm. to me, I, I want to say, first of all, I need to acknowledge um, that I was briefed on this by the UTMB organization prior to the announcement. I was part of a core group of pro athletes in the sport who I'm not entirely sure who else was part of this cohort. They approached us individually, but they did sort of give me a uh, look under the hood prior to the announcement. And I want to also state that I'm not paid or sponsored in any way by uh, UTMB and these opinions <clears throat> are my own because uh, part of the reason why we're having this conversation is I, I posted a positive uh, Instagram post about my initial reactions to this announcement. And of course, it was a lightning rod post that had people on both sides of the argument. And I think that's why it's so important for you and I to sit down and have uh, this nuanced conversation. But what I want to say is that UTMB now is finally commanding the space that it occupies within the sport. You know, they have built an absolute juggernaut and you've been to the race. Mm -hmm. I've been to the race for those who have not been to the race. It's absolutely phenomenal. It is a singular event experience. I fully recognize and respect that not everybody loves the circus environment, the sort of tour de France type vibe. Um, it's got a major sporting a, event vibe to it. Totally. And it's freaking awesome. It's also in one of the most beautiful places in the world. And thinking about UTMB's position within the sport and seeing brands like Ironman by Tarawera and Ultra Trail Australia and seeing Spartan come in and make a very strategic and I think very intelligent play within the sport and how they did it. And recognizing that you know, they are 
they have they wield a, a sword by having this race in Chamonix. And they wield a lot of influence by having this race. And at the same time, seeing the premier endurance race organizations and corporations in Spartan and Ironman moving into the space, they have to think very strategically about this. For you know, sure. and I'm sure this was a deeply considered decision on beh behalf of UTMB. But I just wanted to sort of put that out there that this sport is exploding and things change, even though we all love the glory days of ultra running. And we all think back with a lot of nostalgia about when this was only a grassroots type race, uh, experience and sport things are changing and nothing is going to remain frozen. And so it's all about, okay, how do we manage this growth appropriately? And to me, this announcement from UTMB is them finally commanding the space that they occupy and taking the leadership position within the sport with the help of Ironman rather than them being in competition with one another and UTMB then having to battle multiple race organizations on multiple fronts and Spartan and Ironman and the golden trail series and anything else that might pop up and moving forward into the future with some consolidation and with some standardization. Mm -hmm. So that's how I view the overall landscape in the sport, which I think is important for us to talk about before we launch into you know, what, what could be potentially good and bad. I just think it's important to kind of set the table with, with some of my own bias and opinion on top of it. Do you want to add anything? I, I don't want to add anything, but I want to thank you for putting that on the table. And I think you bring a very unique perspective to this as someone, an American, which I don't think is an unimportant point who got into the sport here in the States running Leadville, which is one of the classic ultra trail races here in the U.S., winning races like Sean O'Brien going to Western states, but who has also competed very well on an international stage. You've run the UTMB, the TDS. I mean, you've I, I've lost track of all the places that you've been. So, I mean, I think you've seen the evolution of the sport firsthand and have been open to, I mean, you start where you start, but you've been open to expanding your horizons over the years. And to me, from the outside, I shouldn't say from the outside looking in, because I am in it on a number of levels. But what I've observed over the past week is that a majority of the criticism about this announcement is coming from mostly... Americans, not all, but mostly Americans who have been involved with trail and ultra running for a long time, mostly domestically. And here in the US, and I think this is going to be part of our conversation later, the races are pretty dang small compared to certainly UTMB. Um, but other continents around the world. And there are reasons for that. Um, and because of that, however, and you mentioned this, the sport here has a very homey grassroots, small town feel to it. And 
what UTMB and Ironman are doing, what UTMB has already done to this point is not that. Um, and I can totally understand and appreciate why folks who have been in the sport for a long time, who would consider themselves purists, aren't happy about this uh, because of what mm -hmm. it's doing to their sport. Not saying yeah. they're right or wrong, but I can understand like where they're coming from. And it is interesting to me, at least from what I've observed, that's where a lot of the vitriol is coming from. That said, um, to, to another point you brought up earlier, the fact that it is Iron Man group and that has that name on it, um, is, is certainly throwing like gasoline on this fire for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, cause Iron Man as, as a group, um, also as a, a triathlon race series has not done itself some great favors over the years. And some of those are well-documented, especially for folks who, um, have, have taken part in some of those events. John Kelly is a good example of that. And rightfully there is, there is some concern, you know, be because of that. And anyway, I don't, I don't know where I'm, I'm, I'm going, but I just wanted to add, add that to the table um, and make sure that it was, yeah. was on there before we start diving into specific um, pluses and minuses of this entire situation. Yeah. No, again, it just, I think it's important to just, yeah, capture the entire context of when this announcement was made in the history of the sport and with, yeah, the expansion that we've all sort of lived through over the last decade. And actually part of that context of this announcement, I think is also just uh, kind of interesting to point out and maybe some missteps with the announcement itself mm -hmm. that potentially contributed to the vitriol. And, um, you know, obviously like we're just coming off this super league debacle in Europe <laughs> yep. where, um, you know, people can look it up in the news, but basically a, a soccer league was, was announced it came together and then disintegrated all within like 48 hours based on the negative reaction of the fans. Uh, so it was sort of unfortunate timing in that regard. And then also, because coming out without a lot of races to actually um, point to and use to really uh, illustrate how things are going to work because it is somewhat esoteric to try and understand, okay, there's these stones, there's this world series, there's then qualifying races to get into mm -hmm. the world series races. A lot of moving parts. And so there's moving parts and there wasn't a lot of details. There's still a lot of questions to answer. Yes. And again, this is all just to, to set the context. So now that we have the context set, Mario, Let's start with potentially what some of the good things are that we think can come from this partnership. Why don't you go first? So you touched on this earlier, but I think this is going to improve the overall professionalization of ultra running as a competitive sport that is taken seriously around the world. I think that's going to happen in a number of different ways. I think the events themselves that are a part of this series are going to, I don't want to say look and feel the same because that sounds bland. In some ways they will, but there is going to be a standard in terms of how the events are organized in terms of how they're marketed. Um, and then in terms of how they're, they're run during the race itself or race week itself. And there, there's a lot of benefit to that because if you've been in this sport for any period of time, it's all over the place. Um, you've got some events that are, are run really, really well. Um, you've got others that are just an absolute embarrassment. And 
I think, I hope, um, based on what I've seen from Ironman triathlon and rock and roll marathon series, for the most part, there is a standard operating procedure in place that I, I think is, is beneficial and signing up for one of these events, even though they're in different places, you should be able to know what you're going to get for your entry fee, which is a whole nother topic of conversation. But yep. I think there's, there's that part of it for professional athletes such as yourself. Um, I think there are pluses and, and minuses to this world series approach. I think one of the, the pluses is it's going to incentivize competition. Um, the more of these events that people do, the more likely you are, hopefully, um, we'll see as the series expands to see some, some great head to head racing, um, prior to the grand finale in, in Chamonix. Um, not always the case, but hopefully we'll see that at, at some of these events. Um, I don't know. And I don't know if you have any Intel on this. I I'm curious, like what this means for potential appearance fees for athletes for prize money purses. If they become standardized across the series, are there bonuses for, like not from sponsor individual sponsors, but from the race series itself for, you know, doing well at X number of races for, you know, winning one of these, these regional titles that doesn't exist right now. I mean, UTMB itself is, is famously criticized or is, I shouldn't say famously is, is rightfully criticized. I think for a, a pretty minuscule payout for the the top athletes who are out for 20 to 24 hours taking a lap of, of Mont Blanc. So that those detail, that's one of the unanswered questions, but that could be a potential benefit, I think for, for professional athletes. Um, what could be looked at as a benefit, but also as a negative is that it's going to hurt races outside of this series. And I think that's a, I think that's a real concern because if, I mean, the UTMB in Chamonix is, is already like the coup de gras of, of the sport. If you do well there and you're a professional athlete, chances are you've got some kind of bonus written into your contract, um, that you'll be taken care of for, for doing something special there. Um, so that's already there for a lot of people, but now it's, it's going to be like, all right, that's, that's where we need this That's where we need our athletes. Cause that's where the exposure is going to be. Um, you know, we need to have a presence there and I worry about athletes feeling, you know, almost like pigeonholed into, into really just prioritizing this golden trail or this world series. Um, which I mean, let's be honest, it's probably what the organizers want. Um, they want yeah. the top athletes to just be doing these events, but you can only race so many high level ultras, a year. And I would hate to see that take top athletes away from independent races that are going to forever remain independent, certainly here in the States. Um, I mean, nothing's been announced here, but you know, I just to, just to play devil's advocate, like I could see something like, you know, hard rock. Let's just, let's just, let's just create all kinds of controversy, like hard rock, not being a part of this series. <laughs> right. Um, and you've yeah. got ultra runners who, especially Americans who, who want to do hard rock. It's one of the iconic, um, 
hundred mile mountain races, the iconic hundred mile mountain race, certainly here in the States. But if it's not part of this series and you've got to prioritize other races so that you can get to Chamonix in the fall, because there are a number of reasons you need to be there. I mean, that would, that would really suck. Um, I think that could hurt, but I also think like from, from a, uh, professionalization of, of the sport, um, it could also open up more opportunity for more athletes to turn professional, to actually make a living, you know, at the sport, to have greater predictability in terms of appearance fees and, and prize money. Um, but again, that's not guaranteed at this point. They haven't announced anything there, but hopefully we'll, you know, we'll learn more as, as this develops. But I mean, certainly that part of it feels very like incomplete to me, but I'm optimistic that it'll be a good thing for professional athletes. Yeah. And my bias is also towards the professional athletes in a lot of ways for obvious reasons. I I really care about them. I I really identify with them obviously. And I really, as a fan of the sport, just want to see it continue to develop uh, on the competitive side uh, in the same way that it has been over the course of the last decade. And I think to your point uh, it will do so under this new architecture. And I'll talk a little bit more about why I think that is, but to your point, they actually did make a statement about the prize money. And this is something that I was thinking about as well. Mm -hmm. And they didn't provide any specifics, but did say something to the effect of that it'll remain modest for lack of a better word. But I think it's only a matter of time until that's going to just have to change. And Right now, as you said, there's basically no appearances for professionals within trail and ultra running. It's pretty standard in professional Ironman racing for the race directors of various Ironman events to pay the pros to just come and do the event. That has never existed outside of one or two uh, examples that I know of personally uh, where athletes have actually been paid to show up. Now, where I think you know, we can talk a lot more about whether this actually hurts the small races or not, because I think we might disagree a little bit on that. Uh, But really what I want to sort of like focus on is what you talked about and sort of the standardization, professionalization of the sport and why this is, is positive. And I think first and foremost, uh, maybe that overarching theme, the most important reason why I view this as a, a net positive for the sport is just because, I mean, I freaking absolutely love the sport and I recognize that the sport changes lives, you know, like that's why we do it is because it fundamentally changes who we are as human beings and helps us to confront adversity on and off the race course. And I think the most basic reason why I view this as good is because I really view as Ironman and UTMB in partnership as being uniquely capable of bringing more people into the tents. And obviously there's not, not everybody listening to this wants more people coming into the sport. But if we think of the sport as a tool that changes people's lives for the better, we should want more people to come into the sport and UTMB and, uh, who that represents in a lot of ways, the values and the culture of the sport connecting with a brand like you, like Ironman who has proven that they can put on world-class endurance events all over the world gives us a unique opportunity 
to use the sport to touch people where they are and gives them an opportunity to come into this life-changing life pursuit and, you know, interact with nature a little bit more, improve their health, improve their fitness, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's fundamentally the number one positive that this represents. To your point about just, yeah, raising the standard of the race and the discrepancy that we do see between races that happen internationally and those that happen in the United States. And again, we're generalizing here, but for the most part, for those who have raced in Europe or in Asia, you will know that those races are put on to a much higher standard, much Mm -hmm. bigger budgets, much larger fields. And again, acknowledging that a lot of people really enjoy grassroots racing, myself included. There's nothing better than a backwoods, fat ass 50 K. And I think there's always going to be room in the sport for that, but it's going to be a very good thing for the sport, in my opinion, and especially the professional athletes. Again, that's my bias to have a raised standard of racing all over the world and having this UTMB brand that represents this elevated race experience. And that I think is going to be something that benefits the sport as a whole in terms of bringing more people into the tent, giving more opportunities to the athletes, and hopefully giving the average athlete a really high quality life experience. And I think one of the other things that is so important to acknowledge here also uh, for those who are really worried about Ironman and its influence potentially on changing this culture that is so sacred within our sport is to point to the examples of the ultra trail Australia and Tarawera, both of races that I've done in my career, Tarawera twice and races that have maintained their community vibe, have maintained their spirit of inclusivity and community and touchy feely good vibes that we all love about trail and ultra running while being owned by the Ironman group. And so it's two examples. And this isn't to say that there's nothing to be worried about, but there's two examples of races that are owned by Ironman, which a lot of people have seemed to find very scary, maintaining the core values and ethos of the sport. The final thing I want to say that I think is really important and something that I've been banging the table about on this podcast and in other places for a while is that it consolidates the sport in a way that I think is going to be advantageous for the athlete and the fan. Um, I don't know. Did you want to? No, keep going. I'm just just gathering myself. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So, so what I want to say is that, you know, I think the ultra trail world tour artificially constrained the athletes that they were talking to by making it a hundred K plus. And I had said, you know, on the podcast, things like, man, the ultra trail world tour should just buy sky running. They should expand it. So that it includes 50 K 50 mile, hundred K whatever, and bring everything sort of under one uh, consolidated organization where you can have championship level races at 50 K at hundred K at a hundred mile. You can have, uh, a, an overall champion at sort of short distance, middle distance, long distance. You can have an overall champion who that displays versatility across all distances and 
give people a progressive approach to the sport because right now this is going to allow younger athletes to focus on, I want to do the OCC and this is both professional and age group level runners, right? It'll give younger athletes like, I want to be the world champion at 50 K right? And I'm going to work hard over the next two, three years to do that. And then I'm going to move up to the hundred K. And then after that, I'm going to move up to the hundred mile. And all of a sudden you're taking a decade long approach to the sport where you're taking incremental steps. And sometimes you might go forward and backwards. Right. And I think that gives us an opportunity under a consolidated series to speak to basically every athlete who's coming into the sport and I think that is fundamentally a good thing as well. Uh, and I think definitely is going to contribute to very interesting racing on the professional end. So those are the reasons why I, I think this is a, a positive move. I appreciate that. I don't disagree with anything that you said, but I also think there are dark sides to it that are worth addressing or at least blind spots. One of them being the consolidation of it all into this world series that culminates in the world championship at Mont Blanc. It reminds me, I mean, Chamonix is going to be the new Kona that that it's, it's a hundred percent true, especially with the qualification system. Well, it, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it, I mean, it has been the world championship and now it's official, right? Yes. But now there is going to be this series where everything points toward it, much like triathlon does with Kona. I think what's been hurt in triathlon is a lot of things outside of Ironman. Yes, there are grassroots events that that have continued to do well. I do know of a lot of triathlons that were independently owned, got gobbled up by Ironman and are now shells of themselves. I mean, I saw this pre Ironman when I was a competitor group, which was a venture capital backed company bought up a bunch of races that, that did lose their spirit over the course of a few years. Um, it's not always going to happen, but you know, sometimes there's agreements where the previous operator will stay on for a couple of years and they kind of maintain things and then they're out of the picture and then, you know, all health tries to break loose. So for, for the examples of events that have been able to maintain that, which is great. And I hope more do, um, there are probably just as many, if not more examples of events that have lost some of their soul. And that, that does concern me, but from a consolidation standpoint, you know, we're going to get to a point where certainly at the professional level where everything points toward UTMB and, and to your point, like a lot of it has over the past several years, but what's going to get hurt is other facets of, of ultra running that have nothing to do with UTMB. And I, and I'd like to see more of a light shown on those types of events. So for example, you know, a true world championship to me is, you know, at least in running, um, and, and maybe this is my bias as someone who comes from a traditional, like cross country track background is when you're representing your country. Um, and usually you've, qualified to do that via a trials of some sort or selection races at a world championship where you're competing against other countries that are wearing their country's kit and 
and you crown a world champion that exists in trail and ultra running. There are the world long distance championships. There are mountain running championships. I mean, ultra running is really interesting because there's just so much goddamn stuff that falls under the umbrella of, of ultra running that, you know, it's going to be impossible to, you know, to really streamline it into like, you know, one thing I recognize that, but you know, what we see in triathlon, like what gets hurt is a lot of like, you know, even though it's called Olympic distance racing, but you know, those, those athletes have a hard time making a, a career, you know, in the sport of, of triathlon, unless they're really good. Um, a la like Gwen Jorgensen of a few years ago, or, and we see this, they move up to half Ironman and Ironman racing because that is where the attention is. That's where the eyeballs is. That's where the people, the, the masses are racing and that's where the money is. Um, and that's going to happen here and that's okay. I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a bad thing, but I wonder if, you know, it, is it a good thing that this privately owned race series is going to crown the de facto world champions at these different distances when the athletes from pros on down are incentivized to race a lot of these events, which I mean, is, is going to, you know, and it already happens in the sport, but it's going to happen even more now, like choose to sit out an actual like world championship or to race a national championship. I mean, you have a national 50 mile title to, to your credit. Um, and I don't think a lot of people know that because it, it gets underemphasized here, but you know, people know that you've, you know, you've been on the podium at Western States that you've done really well at North face. You've had some, some big wins. I think that's something that's always bothered me about the sport. And I feel like this move could potentially really kill a lot of that other stuff. Um, those other parts of the sport that, you know, I think should be important. I mean, the reason they're not, and, and I'll be honest about this is there's a lack of organization from governing bodies to actually like make that sort of stuff a priority. So the athletes aren't, incentivized, but you know, I, I think here it's going to, it's going to make, at least on the professional side of the sport, it's going to be like, well, if you want to be a professional trail ultra runner, then you've got to take part in the world series, or it's going to be really hard from you, not only from a prize money standpoint, but also potentially from even just sponsorship and bonuses and incentives related to that. It's an interesting point and actually something that somebody brought up uh, on Instagram. And I, I think we should start kind of taking through some of the concerns that people had. And, and maybe we'll start with this one because I thought it was really interesting. And that was the question was something to the effect of, will this actually hurt the competitive landscape of the sport? Because obviously like Spartan is paying athletes now to be ambassadors and to come to their races uh, for sure. I mean, Pau Capel is one example. I can't remember the others who are ambassadors for the Spartan race series. Now, is it going to be something where, you know, the competition potentially gets diluted as athletes align themselves with different right. race series? My, my personal opinion on it is that not much is going to change in, ter in terms of, to your example about hard rock, hard rock is always going to be a race that people, when they get into the lottery, they're going to do it. Even if it's at the expense of going and racing the UTMB, I am the perfect example. I've been waiting to do hard rock now for two and a half mother bleeping years. And I finally get the opportunity to do it this year. And because I'm doing it, I'm not running UTMB. Right. And if that were to be the case, 
next year, you know, if I were to get into uh, just hypothetically, if the UTMB Ironman partnership was in effect and UTMB was the world championship and I had my first opportunity to do hard rock, speaking for myself, I would do hard rock because I know that I'll always have the opportunity to hopefully have another chance at racing my way into the UTMB. And we see this in Ironman too, Mario, don't we? Where some athletes are focused on 70.3 or they're just sort of getting their feet wet in the full Ironman distance. And they, even though they're qualified, they choose not to race in Kona because they want to target it later in their career. And this is, I think, something that, you know, we could expect to probably see, in trail and ultra running as well. My, I, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is I have a lot less fear that all of a sudden UTMB is going to monopolize the entire sport, right? I think it, they will consolidate a lot of it and people will, will still, I mean, it's already the point where when you have sponsors, they, without necessarily explicitly saying it, you are encouraged to do one of the races at UTMB, whether it's OCC, CCC, TDS, or UTMB. And I would say that most of the pro athletes want to do it anyway already because it is such an amazing race experience. And so that's not going to change, right? I don't think that becomes more concentrated, but I think that the, yeah, just like, I think there'll be more pressure there though to for professional athletes to do those races because they're one, yeah. they're going to be more of them around the world and yeah. they're going to get a good amount or they should be getting a good amount of media exposure opportunities for the athletes to interact with the fans. Like all that stuff's valuable to sponsors. Now they have more opportunities to do that. And if the UTMB yeah. finale is a, I mean, it's already a big deal. If it's an even bigger deal now, I mean, those things are going to be written into contracts. I know, I know this for a fact from rock and roll. This is back in the day, even before they got acquired from Ironman. I know of professional marathoners who had written into their contracts bonuses for doing well at rock and roll series races because yeah. there were a lot of people there and they got a lot of, of, of good exposure. And obviously if they win, you know, there's, there's plenty of that comes with that. And I'll say his name because it's, I think it's public out there. Ben Bruce one year went on a tear of winning rock and roll marathon series races. And like, you know, I don't want to say he cherry picked them, but he was pretty strategic about where he went. Um, and yeah. he had a, a contract with Adidas at the time and he made bank, like just going yeah. to go into all of those rock people. Are like why is Ben Bruce racing so many rock and roll marathon series races? It's like, well, he was incentivized to do that. So I could yeah, see something like I don't that know. happening I don't in, see, in ultra running because there's going to be 30 plus of these, you know, UTMB world series races around the world and potentially even more of them. And, you know, if, if it's coming down to being able to make a living at this, there are going to be a number of athletes. I don't know how many, and maybe the vibe in ultra running is like a little bit different who are going to, you know, cherry pick, or at least say, Hey, I'm going to go to, you know, five of these races because it's in my contract that if I'm on the podium of X number of them, like I can do pretty well this year. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I just don't see this as, as much of a, a concern as I think a lot of people do. I, I feel that not much is going to change. And the reason I feel that way is because UTMB is already the juggernaut that it is, you know, and I don't think that people are going to be any more incentivized to want to do it than they already are. I mean, I know for a fact that all the professional athletes, if you win UTMB, you are definitely being compensated by your sure. sponsor in a way that represents the importance of the race. And to your point about prize money too, I think this is really interesting because Ironman, the person who wins Ironman Kona, I think makes like 120, 125 grand, right? Like a seriously good payday to win that world championship. I think the UTMB champion makes like five grand. That is a huge hugely unrepresentative of what an amazing achievement it is. You know, winning UTMB should be worth at least 50 to $75,000 in my opinion. I, I don't disagree. Course, UTMB is, I think already said that, you know, the prize money is going to remain modest for, for the time being, but I would love to see a top performance at that race actually be rewarded uh, in a way that I think is reflective of just how huge of an accomplishment it is. Well, if they can, they meaning UTMB as an organization can get more people into ultra running and paying entry fees for these races around the world. The prize purse should go up, I think for a lot of the, the pro athletes. I mean, otherwise there's going to be even more criticisms against them on, you know, on that part, because it'll be pretty easy to see like, Hey, you know, you've got some of these fields being filled out with two, 3000 people, not here in the U S um, for various reasons, but around the world for, you know, not Ironman exorbitant fees, at least not yet, but they're certainly not, you know, super, super cheap. Um, there's a, there's potentially a lot of money there. I mean, cause this is a business like both Ironman and UTMB are private businesses that are for profit entities looking to make money. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I've, I've really got no, I mean, no problem with that, but I think it's important to call that elephant out in the room because one of the common complaints is that this is going to be a money grab. And yeah, I mean, I think it's too early to say whether it is or not. Time will tell um, for sure. It will absolutely tell. So but we've seen it uh, just if I can finish real quick, but we've definitely seen it in some instances with Ironman triathlon events for sure. Um, especially with cancellations this past year, some of the criticisms levied against the company for that, but also I've seen it with the rock and roll series, even prior to their, um, Ironman owning them there, you know, there were definitely events that, you know, weren't, I mean, they were run well, but they were, they were money grabs. The entry fees had gone up exorbitantly over the course of a few years because they were Ironman events and UTMB and Ironman group as a, as a partnership, they're going to have a lot of power in the sport. And if they have a lot of brand strength and, and UTMB is that ambitious thing that, that Ironman is for a lot of people in triathlon, there are going to be a lot of people who, who want to pay for that. Um, and, and they're going to know that people want to pay for that. And as a for-profit business, they're going to try and profit off of those people. Um, so I think Mm -hmm. that's a, I, I think that's, it's a, it's a legitimate concern. It'll be interesting to see how to, how that all shakes out over the next few years. 
Well, well, thank you for acknowledging. I guess uh, we we hadn't explicitly said that this is a business, right? These guys are out to make a very good living, right? And that's the nature of the system that we live in. And I think it is really important that we address this question of, is this just a money grab? Because that is definitely kind of the overarching Mm -hmm. theme of the criticism and concern that I saw directly on Instagram. And I should say also a very prominent North American race director called me a sellout for voicing my, uh, you know, initial feelings of optimism where this partnership was concerned. And first of all, I don't think that's fair, but I want to just go back to something we talked about Mm -hmm. in the structure of the sport right now and just help people understand maybe where UTMB's mind was in coming to the conclusion that this was in their best interests. Obviously, this is going to be a positive for them financially, I believe. Obviously, they wouldn't do it if it wasn't. But probably for a couple of different reasons. Number one, they're not going to have to compete directly with Iron Man anymore. Iron Man could have right. easily come in and started buying up different races and form their own organization. And then UTMB would have been battling them on one front and battling Spartan on another front. This obviously destabilizes Spartan to a large degree now. So the races that are competing in the Spartan trail series, like Transgrand Canaria and Lavaredo and ultra Pyrenees races that are very important in the European trail calendar now will not have any qualifications that would help participants in those races get into the UTMB. And I could see why those races would be pissed off, but they align themselves with Spartan. And so UTMB, uh, and, and as they align themselves with Spartan, they, they position themselves in direct uh, confrontation mm-hmm. with UTMB. And so UTMB, as I said, is really now commanding the space that they occupy. And I believe personally that UTMB's, values are good. I mean, Michelle Poletti represents the core of the sport. You know, he is a middle-aged back of the packer who just does it for the love, you know, and he started an absolute phenomenal race in Chamonix that's turned into the most important race in the world. And what I would just say is that obviously UTMB has now taken a minority stake in the UTMB organization. From my understanding, there is no path to Ironman taking a majority stake in UTMB. Therefore, because I have confidence in the values that UTMB holds as it relates to the sport as a whole, those being inclusivity, community, good sportsmanship, etc., all the things that we hold so sacred are in better hands with UTMB at the driver's seat than with somebody who doesn't come from the lineage that UTMB does coming into the sport and doing it themselves. So I think obviously, yes, it is probably, you know, the definition of a a money grab quote unquote, and that they are going to benefit financially. But as the sport explodes, as things change, it's important to figure out how to grow in the right way. And I believe that UTMB had the best intentions of figuring this out and helping the sport move into the next generation. If I could push back on that a little bit, just rewinding to three or four years ago, I remember the letter that came out from 
a bunch of, of race directors of older established races here in the US when UTMB wanted to, you know, make them qualifiers for, you know, for their event and basically asking them to pay to be considered like official, you know, UTMB qualifiers. I think that's why there's some hesitation, certainly amongst ultra runners here in the U S um, looking at it as, as a money grab, because as, as I read through it and as I understood that situation, that's what it looked like to me. It looked like a, a money grab where UTMB was like, Hey, we'd love to make you an official UTMB, you know, qualifier. It's going to cost you a shitload of money. And these are, you know, s- small, like grassroots races that, you know, one don't have a lot of extra money to burn. And basically we're like, go fly a kite. (laughs) Like we're not, you know, we're not doing that. Um, and, and I think that's, I mean, that was three or four years ago, but I think that's still pretty fresh in a a lot of folks minds, especially people who have been involved with the sport here in the U S for, for quite a while, particularly race directors. Um, and, and I can't knock them for that. Um, because, because that, you know, that, that did happen. And I I like, look, I, I don't know the, the polities, personally myself at all. So I can't, I can't pass judgment, but I think that's going to have some people listening to this hear you say like, Oh, they've got the best interest of the sport in mind. They're like, no, they're not. They, they have, they have the interest of putting money in their pocketbook in mind. And, yeah. and those are hard things to, to shake. So just trying to put that like in perspective as well. Yeah. Hey, listen, thank you for saying that. And I, I want to also acknowledge that I think these concerns are valid. You know, I think it's important for me to acknowledge that it's not unreasonable for people to be concerned about this. And I guess my opinion is that it's better to have UTMB in the driver's seat than it is to have a race organization corporation who doesn't come from the lineage of the sport that doesn't have the DNA built into their organization already to come in and for it to just be a free for all of just Mm -hmm. competition on on all sides. That's, that's my point, but point taken, you know, definitely UTMB has, has used their influence and maybe used it in ways that people find, um, distasteful and, um, you know, people have, have their own, I guess, uh, can make their own judgments on that front. And, uh, I'm not entirely uh, familiar with the exact example that you're citing, but I don't doubt that it's, it's totally accurate. And, you know, I guess, uh, it's, it's part of running an organization, but definitely a, a valid concern to have. So let's talk about this, this concern that a lot of people have about the cost of doing, being in the sport mm-hmm. going up, because this is another place where I just don't, feel that that's going to be the case, but why don't, why don't you go first? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I have some muddled thoughts on this. I I think number one, um, you know, ultra running is great for all the reasons that you described earlier, like taking on a personal challenge. Um, for some people, it brings them out of some very dark places in their life. I think the lessons that you learn from being part of ultra running certainly help you in other areas of your life. But, and I've said this before, any discussion of like this, this merger, and this goes beyond just UTMB, Ironman, and and this whole situation we're talking about. I don't know that the sport is really all that accessible to everyone. I mean, running certainly 
is. I mean, in a lot of cases, you don't even need shoes and you can still go run very long distances and don't necessarily have to race. From that standpoint, it, it definitely is. Um, but when we talk about races and, and events, whether it's part of the World Series or, you know, whether it's your backyard ultra here, you know, in the U.S., um, and especially as they get longer and more challenging, I mean, they, they do cost money to enter. But I mean, if people are going to provide you, you know, one access to land to run on two you know, aid stations and support along the way, I mean, that's what it's going to cost. I mean, it's, you know, this stuff's not, this stuff's not free. Um, but it's definitely getting, it's getting more expensive. It's not, at least not, as of this conversation, most races aren't at Ironman type levels yet in terms of, of cost. And I think the cost for a lot of Ironmans last, last I checked was like seven, 800 bucks for a full and about half of that for, you know, a half, if not, if not a little bit more ultra running, you know, from, from that standpoint is definitely a bit more affordable, but to get to a lot of these, these races, many people have to travel and travel's not cheap. You know, it, it costs money. Um, you know, the way this series is, is set up, it is going to be global, even though they have, you know, 22, if not more events to still announce yet, it, it does incentive. Like if, if your goal is to get to Chamonix, like it incentivizes you to do more of them, whether you're a, a pro or an age grouper. Um, and that's, you know, especially for the non pros, like that's some of the pros can get some travel assistance to some of these races and get help in that way. But, you know, for a lot of average people, unless you, you have the means to do it, it's gonna be really challenging to, to do many of these. Um, and I think that's something the sport is, has kind of failed to address over the last, like, several years. Like these things look great, but those of us who can do them, like have the means to, to do it. So I don't know that they're the sport as a whole is, is super duper accessible from that standpoint. And then also, especially with these big mountain races, and this is another similarity to triathlon, um, there, there's not as much gear involved as triathlon. You know, you don't have to buy a, a five or 10 or $15,000 bike, but you know, the, the cost of things definitely adds up when you factor in, you know, multiple pairs of shoes, you know, gear, pack, pole, nutrition, all that sort of stuff. Um, it definitely adds up. And that's not exactly something that is, you know, easily accessible for a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of people. And then the race fees themselves, which, you know, are, are going to be higher, I think, than some other races. And there's reason for some of that, but, you know, some people just aren't going to be able to afford the rate to race or have the opportunity to race because cost, you know, gets in the way. Um, so I think those are some of the concerns that I have from, you know, the dollars and cents side of things and, and accessibility and not just for, for this series, but I think for, you know, largely for, for the sport as a whole, especially when it involves, you know, travel and, and all of that. But, you know, certainly for a series like this, which incentivizes frequent racing and, you know, travel to events on multiple continents. Okay. So then three things to touch on, right? We've got the gear part, which really has nothing to do with the UTMB Ironman. No partnership at all you know it no, is still the sport a, as a whole. It, it's still approachable in relationship to basically any other sport particularly endurance sport you don't need a lot of stuff to to the question of 
event costs going up or race registration race mm-hmm. registration fees going up. This I think is a valid concern and something we should all monitor as it relates to how things might change with this partnership. But I looked it up and I think this is really remarkable and something that's really important to highlight. The cost currently to run the UTMB is only $340. It is, in my opinion, and I'm lucky, I am the priv- of the privileged few who's never even had to pay for an entry into UTMB or any of the UTMB races. But the value that that represents in terms of bang for buck for profound life experience is on its a level of its own, in my no opinion. No doubt. No doubt. And, and I think the UTMB race organizers should be commended for that, honestly, because they could sell out, they could double or triple that price and still not have any fluctuation in terms of the level of interest and the number of people entering their lottery, in my opinion. I think that is really remarkable. It's a profoundly good value. And I don't, and you know, to to the other point about kind of inclusion and having to travel and things like that, I think one of the things that they are actually trying to encourage with this new architecture is to have people travel less. At least that's what Katrine said on my podcast when I had her on uh, a couple of months ago now was that hopefully have people stay in their home countries a little bit more. This is part of their sort of environmental initiative, initiative, travel less race in your home country. And then when you come over for the UTMB or other races in Europe, spend some time and have a holiday. But I think that would be, I think that would be great. Um, One thing just to, and I apologize for interrupting, but to piggyback off what you said about registration fees, Europe in general, not just the UTMB, agree with everything you said about the UTMB. It is so much more affordable to race in Europe, regardless of the distance, yeah. than it is here in the US. And I think there are multiple reasons for that. But even major marathons are like a third, if not half to a third of the price right. of what it costs to, to raise something here in the US. And, and the value you get from that is definitely um, worth it and, and then some. But I, I do think some of the concern with this partnership with Ironman is, is valid given the cost of those events around the world. Um, they certainly are much more expensive. There's a reason they're more expensive as well, but I think there is a very, you know, not super considered thought that, well, they're just going to jack the prices up of, of everything. Prices probably will go up. That's how the market works in, in any sphere. But we should I all would, monitor I, it. We should all hold yeah, them accountable. If it becomes unreasonable, then we... Call make a out. fuss about it. But for now, they should actually be commended for the price that they charge athletes to come and have this profound life experience. And to just like the question about inclusion, I don't know. To me, it it feels, yeah, of course, like traveling is expensive. And by virtue of that fact, just going and doing UTMB is a privileged opportunity afforded to only you know, the 1%. And that is something that we should all acknowledge and we should all do our part to bring people into the sport and to make it as inclusive and approachable as possible. Now, I I don't know. I I just find this, this criticism to be, uh, 
not as deeply considered as it should be because like you don't hear the people who, and to your point, I think the criticism has been much louder in the U S than it has been in Europe, but you don't hear of people saying like, what about the middle-class European runner who wants to come do the Tahoe 200, which costs $1,400. And it's just as hard to get into, you know? And so I, I just find that the, double standard that's being applied to UTMB and, and, you know, people can make their own judgments, um, by virtue of the fact that they've connected themselves with Ironman who does have higher, uh, race registration fees to go and do an Ironman. I think probably on average, you would know better than I, but on average, what you think seven or 800 bucks. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, you know, I, I just think that you can point to races like the bad water, which is more than a thousand dollars, like these 200 mile races, which are, you know, in the neighborhood of $1,500. And of course there's economies of scale when you have a, an event like UTMB where you can actually charge less because you have so many runners. But I think the bang for buck has been really good so far. And I think that they are thinking about the inclusivity problem. And that I hope we all can sort of keep that in front of mind as we all work to keep each other accountable as we move into this, this next chapter of the sport. I, I hope so too. And I do think that is something that's easier to address with a bigger organization like this because of what we talked about earlier. There are going to be a lot of processes here that are streamlined and a lot of initiatives that are streamlined. And I think that's a good thing because if UTMB's footprint is global and they have, I mean, they have to do this and prove it, but if they have initiatives that promote inclusivity, that's a huge win. Um, that's not something that's going to be as impactful on the individual race level. It's just not um, yeah. because you you can't reach as many people. Also, I think from the standpoint of environmental impact, this is something I'm really paying attention to and I want to learn more about. I didn't listen to um, – Catherine on your podcast yet, but I will go back and, and listen to that. But you did mention a little while ago how it's one of their goals to get people to race closer to home, um, which I, I think is great. I think we need to do more to support the things that are happening in our backyard. And that goes with races as well. So that would be great if they can really hammer that home and make it effective and or partner with an organization like Protect Our Winters or even Killian Journey's foundation and, you know, really put protocols in place, not only for, you know, people traveling, but then at the events themselves to really protect the land that we're, you know, that we're, that we're, that we're enjoying and that we're occupying, you know, over the course of a day or, you know, or a weekend so that, you know, as, as an organization, as an ultra running community, we're not leaving a trace and we're leaving it actually in better shape than we found it. And maybe that includes, you know, some, you know, popular here in the U S is like trail work for things like Western States and other events. Like maybe there's, yep. I, again, like I I'm kind of thinking out loud here cause I don't know if any of this has been announced, but I think there's opportunity there. Yep. Um, and I think, you know, with a big series like this, and, and multiple events all over the world and a streamlined um, process, like it, it could be really effective from that, that standpoint. And, and I'd, I'd love to see it. 
Um, I mean, I think again, that's just something, no offense to him, but I just, I just don't think that's something that smaller independent races can do as, as effectively as a big organization. And I, I don't think that it's something that Iron Man or Spartan can authentically make part of their brand as well. Right. Like it's not something that fits as well with the triathlon mm-hmm. culture or obstacle culture, but it fits so well within the trail culture of looking after the places where we recreate. And that's another reason why, you know, I, I'm sure I'm coming off as just like the ultimate cheerleader of this, but I, I just view UTMB as a great leader for our sport, not to say that they're perfect, but that they can shepherd us in a way that, um, will maintain the values of the sport. And I think this is also something that we should transition to now and something that, uh, was brought up on Instagram a lot in terms of people's potential concerns. And that is just the corruption of the spirit of the, and the culture and the values of the sport. And, uh, I wondered if you had any, any opinions on this, it's certainly my biggest concern. Uh, and I can tell you sort of what I would love to see Ironman do, but why don't you start? Well, I think to one of the points I made earlier, some of it is, a U.S. bias or U.S. specific concern that these, and it's it's not a new one. I mean, people have been saying this for years that these bigger races that are attracting you know more sponsors and are becoming corporatized take away from the the spirit of the sport, from the you know camaraderie of of ultra running, um, from the grassroots feel of it. I, I don't know that, 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 that's necessarily always true. I mean, I, I think it's, it's not going to be a, the right fit for some people. Um, but I, I think the culture is, is constantly shifting and, and evolving and has been for the last several years. And it's, you know, it's going to, it's going to continue to, I think just as more people get into the sport, as more events pop up in different places as the incentives change from a competitive standpoint. I mean, it's, you know, this, the same sort of thing, same sort of argument happens in sports like surfing, right. Um, you know, making, making some of the, or in action sports, like making these things, you know, competitive events. And it's more about just the, the lifestyle. I think you and I both read barbarian days by William Finnegan. Love, love the book. And he talks a bit about it in there. This is a perfect analog. Thank you. Finish your thought. This is great. He, you know, he, William Finnegan, the author of that book, he's someone who's a, who's a lifelong surfer, surf bum, traveled the world. Did, I mean, did not, I don't think he ever, ever competed in, in a surfing competition, but he surfed all over the world and he definitely lived the, the lifestyle, bit of a dirtbagger lifestyle. And, th- and that's a thing in, in ultra running. I don't say that as, you know, uh, a, a negative at, at all. Um, we see it in climbing, you know, um, Alex Honnold's had some interesting thoughts about this, you know, in terms of climbing recently, we're, we're there. Uh, we've been there, I think in ultra running, um, you know, where even, even though a race like Western States has been going on for, you know, a very long time, a lot of races here in the U S I mean, you know, the Pilates did acknowledge like this is the birthplace of, of like trail running kind of as we know it, but you know, they were smaller things. It was very niche. Um, and it was very much lifestyle driven, not so much about the competitive element of it. I mean, that that's shifting, but it doesn't mean the lifestyle has to go away. Um, you know, 
people don't have to race necessarily, but people can race and still live the lifestyle. It's just, it's, it's evolving. And the two are, the two are blending and, and intermingling in, in different ways. This is the next evolution of this. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's not going back. I mean, to, to anyone who is listening to this and is longing for the, the days of, of, of your, I mean, some, you can, you can replicate some of that, but like these events are going to exist and there are going to be more of them that, that happen. And, you know, I, I feel bad for the people who are really curmudgeonly about it. I mean, there, I look, I, I mean, I'm definitely way more skeptical than you are about yeah. a lot of elements of this, but I'm also excited because I think there's opportunity there. Um, and I think we live in a time where, you know, things are definitely polarized and, and probably overly emotional and people just, you know, just, just yell about things, but it's like, look, none, nothing's actually, the wheels are in motion, but nothing's actually like gone anywhere yet. Right. Like, let's give it a chance and, and, and see sort of like what happens. Um, and it is going to, it is going to shift, no doubt. Hopefully a lot of it shifts for the better. And there are probably going to be some mishaps along the way that hopefully get corrected. But, you know, I do think, you know, I, I don't think it takes away from the soul of the sport or, you know, the culture or the, the lifestyle is the cliff notes version of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that you brought up barbarian days because this I think is something that I, I think about a lot and that I think, uh, I have very strong feelings about and something that I think Iron Man would be smart to consider and the differences between the cultures of traditional Ironman triathlete athletes versus ultra running athletes. And this is something that I mm -hmm. have communicated to my sponsors over the course of several years, as we talk about product and we talk about the sport. And that is that ultra running really is a lifestyle sport, much more similar to surfing and skating and rock climbing than it is a high performance sport like Agreed. triathlon or track and field. And so for Ironman, I think that's a really important, potentially mental unlock for them to embrace that it is a different feeling. It is a different culture. It is a lifestyle. I mean, Ironman is also a lifestyle. It's the type of brand that people actually have tattooed on their bodies, but definitely maintaining the spirit of the sport is, I think the number one thing that we should all be concerned about and that we should all hold each other accountable to maintaining. And the, I agree. Um, the, the thing that I think would be also really nice to see from, from Iron Man as a, as a show of good faith where this is concerned is obviously like what they're going to be doing now, at least as I read the tea leaves is they're going to be going out and acquiring races and with the UTMB and bringing them under the UTMB world series banner. My guess is they're probably going to need to hire people to put these events on, to work at the corporate level, do sales of partnerships. And my hope is that they really go out of their way to bring people into their organization as they expand, as I'm assuming they're going to have to, that understand the DNA of the sport. Because this, is, I think, is the number one thing that we all need to keep our eyes on and that should concern us is how does this new architecture change what we all hold so, so dear about the sport. And mm -hmm. my, my feeling is that Ironman could do a lot with UTMB in partnership to ensure that that remains the core North star of their mission as a brand and as a, as a partnership. I hope so. It's very well said. 
I've seen it not go that way in other organizations. And that does concern me a, a little bit where as the organization has grown and they have to hire for more things. I mean, look, you're not going to, you're not going to bring everyone in who has lived the ultra running lifestyle. I mean, that's just not, it's not realistic. Um, but I think a lot of the key decision makers should be those people who understand the the lifestyle, who understand how it's as a sport, how it's evolved over, you know, the past five, 10, 15, 20 years or so. And, you know, can make sure that it's staying on the right path moving forward. I hope that's the case um, because when it hasn't been the case, I've seen things go horribly awry and you can just tell, I mean, you know, if you go to a running race, that isn't organized by by runners it loses some of its spirit it loses some yep. of its soul because it's just a commodity and i yep. think that's a, a legitimate fear for a lot of people in regard to this new partnership is that ultra running is going to become entirely commoditized yep. um again time time will tell we will see um and but also, it's up to I, us. I, it's up to us to make sure that doesn't happen, right? And agreed. this is something we all have to have our antennas up about, and we where we should hold people's feet to the fire. Yep. And I think there's also a concern, not to diss too much on triathlon. My wife's a triathlete. I have a lot of friends who are triathletes. <laughs> I love triathlon. You know this. I'm the weirdo yeah, that watches yeah. Kona eight hours every October. You know. And at some point, you're you're probably going to be. You know, the guy who does an Ironman, but that's another story for a different <laughs> podcast. Um, but I mean, I think there is also, as you described earlier, a big difference between triathletes and ultra runners from a lifestyle perspective. There's some overlap, but there's definitely some big differences as well. And I think based on some of the responses that I saw, and I did do a little social media research, even though I'm not personally on social media anymore, <laughs> prior to this conversation, there is definitely some concern, and maybe it wasn't said so explicitly, that triathletes are going to invade ultra running and that lifestyle is going to become the new tri the, the new ultra running lifestyle. And again, I think that's on you know the stewards of the sport to make sure that it maintains its its soul. There probably will be some influence and, and maybe that's not necessarily a, a, a bad thing, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, look, I think I think there is good opportunity here, certainly to bring more people into the sport. And and for better or worse, like some of those people are going to be folks who, who are in triathlon, who have lived that lifestyle, but, you know, who are frankly, and I've, I've coached a few of these people who are burned out on it, you know, and are looking for the next endurance challenge, but are looking for something that is maybe a little bit simpler in terms of the gear requirements, um, you know, that are a little more straightforward in terms of the execution of the event itself that are less time intensive on some levels from a, a training standpoint, like that's going to happen. Um, especially because as I understand it, um, Ironman is not going to be advertising their triathlons at UTMB races. That was in the initial report that I yep. read. I didn't read the opposite and I would bet money that UTMB is advertising all over Ironman events. Oh. Um, and there's going to be stuff in the newsletters and there is going to be a play to pull more triathletes, you know, over to ultra running. And maybe they go back and forth between the two sports or maybe they, hmm. you know, I'm not saying they're trying to take them out of triathlon completely, but 
you know, a lot of folks who have experience in triathlon, maybe burned out on it or are just looking for the next thing because they've checked the box of half Ironman or they've checked the box of, of Ironman, you know, now they, they're going to have this, this kind of built in, um, outlet for them to take advantage of that looks very similar for, again, for better or worse to what they just came from in terms of like the, the sport, you know, the yeah. competitive side of it with an organization that they're familiar with and they kind of know what they're going to get when they hand over their, you know, their, their entry fee. Some people may not like that, but that's going to happen. Um, yeah. and that's not a bad thing. You know, that, that's not a bad thing that is going to bring, you know, some more people into the sport for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. I hadn't thought about that either, but again, yeah, just to echo something I said earlier, I, I think this partnership is a hundred percent an acknowledgement that we are onto something as a sport and it's captured the attention and the imagination of endurance curious people all over the world who want to transform their lives in these super powerful ways. And the most, uh, powerful, the most well-known, race organization corporations in the world now want to be part of it. And then now it's up to us to make sure it's done in a way that represents the spirit that does justice to the culture of the sport. So I think we've sort of ticked through almost all the concerns. The last one that I guess we didn't really talk about was drug testing. I don't know if you have any mm -hmm. thoughts about that before we wrap up, but um, I think we've sort of covered most of the, the, hot button issues. Do you have any comments on drug testing, doping, things like that? Yeah, I think there needs to be a comprehensive system put into place, not too dissimilar to what exists in the world of competitive marathoning okay. right now, where there is testing after all of the major events at, at minimum. I think that needs to happen. Um, but also, and this isn't cheap, but I think it's important for the sanctity of the sport at the professional level, there should be an out of competition testing system that. So exists this exists in, in Ironman, right? You tell me, mm -hmm. you know, better than I, 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 I believe it does, but I'm not confident. I do know it exists for world marathon majors and certainly in track and field and ultra running. If we're getting to that level where people want to take it as a serious sport needs to have something similar, especially with a series like this, that is going to be, global and you're going to have a bunch of interconnected events. Yeah. I mean, I follow a bunch of Ironman triathletes on the internet and see them posting about their random tests and posting about doing their whereabouts protocols. And so my hope is that maybe this is an area where Ironman can really bring some value to the table, the experience doing a drug testing regimen in a way that's super professional. God knows uh, our, our, our sport doesn't really have anything resembling real professional drug testing. Um, and maybe that's a, a place where Ironman can have uh, a powerful contribution. Uh, Mario, we've been going for God knows how long. This has been an awesome conversation. I'm so glad that we could have it together. I really hope this helps people think about this deeply. Think about all the different angles to consider it. Uh, again, even if we don't all agree on everything, my hope is that we can not call each other names, that we can come to this understanding that we each have good intentions. Do you have any parting thoughts in mind before we sign off, Mario? No, I, I second all of that. I mean, this applies beyond just the scope of this conversation, but take the time to listen to one another. 
respect each other, agree to disagree. It's okay to disagree. Um, and realize too that we all need to see how this plays out. It's new. The sport is changing. It's undeniable. I can't tell you, you can't tell anyone listening to this exactly what's going to transpire exactly. We we can opine about it like we did on, on this podcast. And I think we did knock on wood a pretty good job of that. But when you're having these conversations, whether it's with runners in your community, most certainly online, where I think, you know, a lot of nuance gets gets lost, like take the time to listen and read and just be respectful and also just be open-minded. I mean, as you've probably picked up over the course of the, these last couple hours, I'm certainly skeptical of a lot of aspects of this, but I'm also open-minded enough to give it a shot. And I think as athletes, as coaches, as race directors, as fans of the sport, we need to give it a shot. And to the point that you made, as stewards of the sport, we need to protect a lot about it. If we see things that are going awry and that are against the spirit of what ultra running is all about, that are to the benefit of few and the detriment of, of many, we need to call that stuff out. But we need to give it time and we need to just be a little more level-headed about it all. I mean, because that's the spirit too, right? You know, it's got to exactly. go both ways. And yeah. Well, know. I tell my athletes all the time, you've, you've, you've got to like, this happens in races, um, happens in, in workouts. It happens in our, our day to day. Like you've got to be careful, like not to lose your shit. Yeah. Um, you, you just have to, and, and you've got to keep a level mind. You've got to be able to just like understand try to understand what's happening around you so that you can make an informed decision and just not be reactionary because when you freak out, when you lose it, um, 9.9 out of 10 times, it doesn't end really well. So sometimes you just need to like, stop, take a deep breath, give it a chance to settle in and then decide like what the next move is going to be. And, and that's how I'm, I'm kind of thinking about this situation. I hope more people are thinking about this situation. Well said. And just to put a, my, uh, last bit of, uh, I don't know, flavor on the, on the end of the episode here is that I just want to kind of say that for those who are listening to this podcast, it is us that really control the future of the sport, not UTMB and not Ironman. It is us, the people who make this sport, what it is, who are the people who, do the sport, who devote our lives to the sport. We are the people who determine the future of the sport. And while I probably sound like the biggest cheerleader possible on one side of this argument, I will be the first person to jump off the ship if it becomes clear that our sport is going in the wrong direction. And I will always speak honestly about what my thoughts are, where this is concerned. And for now, you know, I'm giving, giving them the benefit of the doubt. And Mario, you've helped me to think about this more deeply. And we should have more of these civil conversations. And we should be confident and stand strong in our position as being the beating heart of trail and ultra running. And we should also command the space that we occupy as the participants of the sport and hold the people accountable who do have the power in the sport. And 
for now. Um, Mario, thank you so much for this very amazing conversation. Um, I'm hoping people find value in it. Um, tell people where they can find you. I'm sure they already know. I'm not on social media, so you won't find me there, uh, but you can follow my work at themorningshakeout.com. I have a weekly newsletter that comes out every Tuesday morning. It's come out every week for the past 287 weeks. Uh, there's also an accompanying podcast that comes out the same day. I think I'm 160 episodes into that. And I talk to folks from all corners of the running world, road, track, trail ultra. This week's guests are Jorge Maravilla and Stephanie Howe. So very fitting for much of your audience, but I also talk to a lot of other coaches, behind the scenes folks at various brands and just really try to cover the full full breadth of the sport. But um, I echo everything that you just said there at the end. I want to thank you for listening to my perspective, getting me to think a little more deeply about this topic. I appreciate you and I really appreciate this conversation. Let's do it again soon. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening. I know that was a very dense episode, a lot to absorb, a lot to digest, but I really hope this episode brought you some value and helped to make this news a little bit easier to understand, a little bit easier to wrap your mind around. There's going to be a lot for us to figure out as we move into this new future, and I will continue to cover this as closely as I can and bring you guys my honest opinions on the subject matter. Again, I fully understand if you disagree with my positions, if you disagree with Mario's positions, I certainly welcome your feedback. Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram or you can email me at dylan at pillars.com. I always love hearing from you guys and would really love to sort of hear your perspective on this conversation as well. Make sure you also go subscribe to Mario's newsletter at themorningshakeout.com and also subscribe to his podcast under the same name if you don't already. It is really, really great stuff. Mario is the man. You guys are so great too. I so appreciate you being here and listening to the end. I love you guys so much. Can't wait to talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.